visit patreon.com slash sword and laser. Sword and Laser hopes you will enjoy this program. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Barrett. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. I'm a bad co-host. I'm sorry. No, it's... it's Veronica, always... Right before the show, Veronica <laughs> said, I'm going to be professional. And so I got goofy immediately. You can't tell them that I was talking about wanting to be professional because <laughs> now they're going to listen for, you know, my professionalism just throughout the episode. Just how professional is she really? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, what professional drink are you having? I actually just finished a, a small glass of bullet rye. Hmm. Just Why going old school. Small? Well, because well, I'm trying to prove how professional I am. <laughs> I see. I see. Yes. Not overdoing it. Not overdoing it. Just a it. professional amount of bullet rye. Yeah. Yeah. I and had a, a, a wildly inappropriately small amount of Hudson four grain whiskey. It wasn't that much. Actually. Oh, I like Hudson. Yeah. Hudson's good. I love Hudson. It is, uh, we have taken, okay, so I have a decanter with scotch in it, mm-hmm. and then I have a bottle of bourbon, which is basically because we need another decanter, um, and so I've taken to rotating it out. It, it, I'm, I'm going to start doing like our, our featured bourbon. Oh, uh, so you right decant your bourbon? I don't. I decant my scotch, but I would like to decant my bourbon also. That's interesting. I don't know much about that um, for scotch and bourbon and what other, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but people do that, I guess. Yeah, it's a thing. I want to. I would like to get a wine decanter. You, the, you actually need it for wine, right? You don't really need it for bourbon or whiskey. It's I just decant. Makes it I nice. aerate. I do all yeah. the all the hubbub over mm-hmm. my wine sometimes. Mostly just so it, it's acceptable and in, in company to drink it faster. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what it's always about. Yeah. Not about sediment. Forget that. Who cares? No. I'll drink all the sediment. Oh, you don't just eat that with a spoon at the end? Yeah. Oh, so good on ice cream. Okay, perfect. Let's jump into the quick burns. Yes, uh, David pointed out that the Nebula Award nominees have been announced. Lots of great nominees among both the novels and shorter works. Uh, the novels are Amberlo by Laura Elena Donnelly, The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter Woo-hoo! by Theodora Goss, Spoonbenders by Daryl Gregory, The Stone Sky Woo-hoo! by M.K. Jemison, Six Wakes by Mer Lafferty, mm-hmm. Jade City by Fonda Lee, and Autonomous by Annalie Newitz. Woo-hoo! Now, I'm going to say something and don't like think hard about why I'm saying it now and don't spoil the tease. Okay, okay. Boy, Veronica... There sure aren't as many books in here that we read as usual. I wonder if there would be an opportunity to do something about that. Yes. Yes, (laughs) for sure. Uh, Nominees for Best Novella include River of Teeth by Sarah Gailey, Passing Strange by Ellen Clages. Of course, I got the name. It's hard to say. And there were one, <laughs> and then there were one, and then there were N one by Sarah Pinsker. N minus one. N minus one. I don't know. Barry's Deal by Lawrence M. Schoen. All Systems Read by Martha Wells, and The Black Tides of Heaven by J. Y. Yang. Yang. Man, uh, and then the Ray Bradbury Award for Outstanding Dramatic Presentation is always a fun one to look at because TV shows and movies. I love everything on this list. All the nominees should win. 
uh, Get Out from Jordan Peele, mm-hmm. The Good Place episode, Michael's Gambit, which, by the way, if you haven't watched The Good Place and you have any interest in ethical philosophy, you're missing out. Uh, <laughs> Logan, The Shape of Water, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and Wonder Woman. These are like my favorite movies of the year, yeah. all nominees. Yeah. I mean, did did Black Panther not make it because it came out in 2018 then? Possibly. Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah. Because it just came out. You're right. I haven't seen Shape of Water yet, and I really want to so see it. Good. It's really great. So good. Is it too scary for me? No. No? It's okay. not. Okay. No. No. In fact, it's if it were a book, you could read it on another show about books that you do. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh. All right. All right. And, you know, while we're talking about the the Nebula Awards, uh, you know, the nominees coming out for that, I, I think it's it's relevant to also note that the Hugo nominations are still open, I assume. Mm. You have a professional interest in just, that. You know, I'm just saying the Hugo nominations are still open right now. They were having an interesting conversation in Goodreads about how they do the retro mm-hmm. as well uh, as the modern, and uh, all the same categories have to apply. So they were wondering, how do you nominate a fan cast for the 1940s? Oh, my God. What if, what if, what if, what if? What if we, we did a travel special, back in time? What if we did a special old timey episode of Sword and Laser that only talked about books coming out from that year? Well, Veronica, <laughs> I think that's a smashing idea. This episode of Sword and Laser brought to you by Camel. <laughs> Perfect on the T zone. Exactly. T for throat and yeah, something. This like is that. exactly why we have to do it. Although I can't talk because I'll just throat. be cracking up the entire time and you'll do all the talking. So More doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. Science fiction writers all agree. Camel cigarettes are the future. <laughs> Yeah, don't smoke, people. Just uh, like bring it back to modern day. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't smoke. smoke. It's a bad idea. All right. Kenley says Amazon is developing a series based on Ian M. Banks' sci fi novel, Consider Phlebas. I hate you. I have not been able to pronounce this for a decade. You nailed it. You nailed it. Consider Phlebas. Sure. The Hollywood Reporter reports that Amazon has acquired the rights to another huge book. Consider Phlebas, <laughs> first installment of Ian M. Banks' space opera culture series. THR reports that Amazon will partner with British screenwriter Dennis Kelly, who created the critically acclaimed Channel 4 series Utopia. <gasps> and, oh, you're excited. And yes. that, should the scripts for the series work out, it will order it directly to a series. Yeah, Utopia is fantastic. I have not finished Utopia, what was made of it. Uh, because it's hard to get in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, but so good. Uh, so I'm very excited about this, and, and and I'm confident it will come to the screen because when Amazon acquires stuff, it generally makes it. Awesome. Very excited about that. Silvana wrote, just in case you missed the last mm. weekend's uproar about Terry Goodkind, not cool, man. I see some other authors have commented about it in Twitter. It looks like both PR and professional disaster to me. Uh, This is the kind of story I love to dig into because I don't think Terry Goodkind knew what he was doing. No. Uh, And I think, I don't think he was being a jerk. On the other hand, I think the punishment he's getting is maybe not deserved so much as unavoidable and to be expected and hopefully will help him learn from it. Let me explain what happened. So he has a book out called Shroud of Eternity. 
And on the cover, uh, there is a woman in a leather jerkin uh, and and pants. And that woman is the main character who is described, apparently, and I haven't read these books, but according to Terry Goodkind, described as wearing a black dress all the time. So he thought, in his mind, boy, the publishers sure screwed this up. And I objected. I told them this character should have a dress and they didn't listen to me. So I'm going to go to the fans and say, hey, guys, pretty bad cover, huh? Let's make fun of it. But of course, everyone took that as the artist really screwed this up because Terry Goodkind knows that the artist was only executing what the publisher told him, but he didn't explain that to people. So he just starts making fun of the cover and the artist Start goes to Twitter and was Rightfully. like, "Nice, nice working with you, Terry." Like, oh, so my art is bad because that's what it looks like. Terry said, and then he comes mm. back later and apologizes and tries to say, like, "No, what I meant was the publisher and this and your art's great, and I know you were just executing what they said and what you did was fine." But at that point, it's way too late. I'm, I would say I'm in disagreement with you. I, I think, I. I don't know if it was really like, yes, it was kind of obtuse to not realize that people wouldn't know that the publishers are the ones who tend to dictate how a cover should look and and tend to have final say and often don't let the authors get notes in on on what the cover looks like. Usually Uh, it's very rare for authors to have any kind of meaningful uh, input on what the cover is going to end up looking like. And of course the, the artists are, are, are hired on a basis where they, they're working from a publisher spec. So it's, it's, but, but the layperson doesn't know that. Right. And, but also kind of a history here of Terry Goodkind doing this kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. If you followed Chuck Wendig's thread about this, he says, for example, Take a moment to Google Terry Goodkind is an asshole, for example, and you, oh, which I yeah. did, and you will. Uh, the first result is a a post back from all the way back in two thousand nine from our dear friend Aiden Moore from A Dribble of Ink, uh, talking about the ways in which Terry has kind of burned some other bridges in the past, um, specifically around refusing to consider any of his works fantasy, um, even though most of it is fantasy. Uh, and, and some other things, some other conversations there. So, you know, it's, it, it, it does suck. It, it's awful to be on the receiving end of an internet mob, uh, when you've done something and especially when you go back and, and correct it, but also as a writer, he has to understand that words have impact and words can cause feelings, uh, that are very passionate. I don't think you disagree with me. I think what 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 I was saying is he didn't mean to insult the artist. Now, where I didn't go, which totally goes along with everything you're saying, is he did mean to be an asshole to the publishers. (laughs) Yeah. Which, I mean, you can say, well, that's not as bad because publishers and they're big and strong and they can take it. But let's, you know, let's let's set aside the whole artist thing. Let's say you're feeling very forgiving, which I know most of you aren't and you don't need to be, but let's say you were and you're like, okay, I understand he didn't mean the artist. Now it's, you could still be upset with him for like, it's kind of an asshole move for your publisher too. Like that's not the right way to handle this. 
I agree. I don't. I don't think. It, I don't think it was handled very well at all. And yeah. it's just it. It inflamed a lot of people that who I really respect online. And so I, I think I got a little caught up in the in the mentality. Uh, but you know, it, it is good that he came back and apologized. Um, I, I didn't see if the if the artist. Um, who has an extremely French name that I'm going to do very poorly at. Um, but You mean Bastien? Yeah, say his whole name. Uh, I can't see his whole name Bastien right now. Bastien Lecouf d'Arame. De Harame. Uh, now I made him Spanish, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to say Why that in I French. Whole thing? Oh, Bastien Lecouf d'Arame. Dom. Dom. Thank which, you. Which, by the way, not even close on my end, just so you know. Better than mine. Uh, that's but for maybe. darn I sure. I don't know if uh, it really is. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah Bastian did not deserve that. No, uh, he did not. I don't think Terry meant to. I think he didn't think it through. But I also think that is emblematic of the fact that he was willing to just throw his publisher under the bus, like mm-hmm. uh, laughably bad cover. Let's have some fun with it. I know in his mind he was thinking, let me turn this bad situation into good and send my publisher a message, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it didn't work. But you know, you could have done that in a really like in a biting but also constructive public way. Sure. You know, like talking about how difficult it can be for authors to not have any kind of say in what the what the what the cover looks like mm-hmm. because you know it's a it's a huge reflection of the story inside, and you know readers can make assumptions based on the covers that the author isn't necessarily trying to convey. So there's a lot of like constructive stuff that oh, could sure. have been a lot more powerful, I think, and and meaningful rather than I'm going to do a contest about how bad this sucks. Listen, Man. listen. If Terry Goodkind had never done anything controversial before it would be very easy for people to look at this and say yeah okay we're backseat drivers 20 Mm -hmm. all all of us have made mistakes and that this was obviously a mistake sure could he have done it better yes do all of us do things perfectly no and i i really am trying to fight against this this trend in the world to just throw poop at everything because it's easy to do because we have the internet at our disposal however on the one hand of doing that and saying, hold on, don't judge Terry too harsh. You might have done the same thing if you didn't think it through. And we don't always all think it through. We're not all perfect. He has a history of doing crappy things. And also, and to so be fair, you, it's throwing poo at the poo throwers. Well, OK, that doesn't make it right, though. Know, that doesn't help saying, the situation. Just, that just makes, puts more poo, poo in the air. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just going to fill the air with poop. And that's not good for anybody. Uh, so I, I, I think I think it's justifiable to say, yeah, but he kind of does this. So even if he didn't mean to insult the artist, it's not surprising that he didn't think through all of the implications. We've spent too much time on this already, haven't we? Yeah, we really have. Uh, so let's move quickly through Tomp, who said Barnes & Noble has done a statistical analysis of Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series. You can Which find a lot it at Barnes- of people say Terry Goodkind ripped off, a lad. Oh, ju- now, now there's poop <laughs> in the air again. See what you did? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was relevant. Do you want to be that person? Do you want to be that person? Sometimes. No. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, It's interesting to see the POV breakdown on nationalities, gender, occupations, and ajas. It's also weird to see the world count outlier chapter in A Memory of Light, book 14. The outlier chapter is the last battle with a word count of more than 80,000 words. Anyway, we're not going to spend too much time on this because there's a lot of spoilers, especially in the comments. So be careful going into this, but it is a cool statistical analysis for those of you who are into the Wheel of Time. Yeah. And then Ian says, Tor reports that a new Richard K. Morgan book is coming, 
thin air. Good timing with Netflix, Ian says. Let's see. What would this be about? Okay, on Mars, ruthless commercial interests colliding with homegrown independence. That's Richard K. Morgan. I'm in. I'm in. Sign me up. Yeah. Pre-subscribe me to the eventual TV <laughs> TV adaptation. Eventual, yes, Netflix and or Amazon and or Hulu series. Uh, John, a.k.a. Taloni, uh, said there's a cover reveal and blurb for the coming Gail Carriger Custard Protocol book, Confidence, at her site. Uh, all alone in Singapore, proper Miss Primrose Tunstow mm-hmm. must steal Prim. helium to save her airship, the Spotted Custard, in a scheme involving a lovesick werecat and a fake fishtail. Prim is one of my favorite characters, so that this is will why be... we love Gail Carriger. I love right it. I love all, all her words. stories. I yeah. have not read a Gail Carriger book that I didn't just absolutely love. So sign me up for that one, too. Yep. Scott says, forgive me if someone posted this before, but the sequel to The Traitor Baru Cormorant by Seth Dickinson will be released October 30th, titled The Monster <gasps> Monster Baru Cormorant. He gives an interview here over on the Barnes & Noble blog, so check yeah, that out. Yeah. yeah, very cool stuff. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I love Baru Cormorant. She's great. Uh, can't wait to hear more about her. Good job, Seth Dickinson. Three for three there at the end. Nicely done. Nicely done. Now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Uh, And this week, Barrier Sword is all about your votes, uh, your nominations, I should say, because it's not really a democracy. It's an enlightened uh, despotism. Uh, basically what we did is we took all of your suggestions and we looked at them and and we did pay attention if a lot of people suggested a particular thing, uh, but we pulled out the ones that we thought made a good balanced tournament and we've got eight fantasy books, eight sci-fi books that are going into our brackets for March, a sword bracket and a laser bracket. So for the first time, a sword will face off against a laser in the finale at the end of March. Yes, and thank you again to Rob, who helped organize all of this. Rob did an amazing job, not only writing all these posts and counting up all the nominations and keeping track of everything, but also letting us know what was going on and just being an outstanding moderator. And I can't, I can't thank him enough for this. This, is, this was a huge, huge undertaking, and he did an amazing job project managing it. And uh, I'm really excited by the results. And as, as Paolo says in the thread, over 100 books made the final list. Over 100 books. So uh, your book didn't make it in the tournament. <laughs> is the, is what the statistics say? Yes, because we've got sixteen books, more than a hundred were nominated. Chances are the book you nominated didn't make it. So just get used to that fact right now. Take a moment. And we even kind of screwed it further by adding in a book, just a dictatorial pick that we wasn't to, nominated we get to at nominate. all. I we can get to nominate things, stuff. right? Yeah, totally. Got nominated by you, by Veronica. That's just right. Just so you know, I didn't do that, Veronica. So we're going to have, uh, as Tom mentioned, eight swords, eight lasers going head to head Uh, in the sword bracket. I will read the sword bracket as I am the the sword. The sword master. These are in seated order, by the way. I don't know if you want to go eight to one. How should I go? Like seed eight is the lowest seed. Seed eight will play seed one. So you might want to go backwards. Okay. So uh, in seed eight... All the Crooked Saints by Maggie Stiefvater. Stiefvater. 
Yeah, thanks. Number seven, The Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle. Number six, Shades of Milk and Honey by Mary Robinette Cowell. Number five, Jade City by Fonda Lee. Number four, Theft of Swords by Michael J. Sullivan. Number three, Midnight Riot by Ben Aronovich. 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 Actually, someone said that he did an interview where he doesn't actually say it that way, but I didn't listen to the interview to see how he says it. I saw that. And I thought what they said is, this is the way he says it. I thought they said, this is how I would have said it, but he doesn't say it that way. All right, so (laughs) Ben Aronovich. So Ben. Ben. Number two, Solace by Gail Carriger. And number one, The Way of Kings by dear, dear Brandon Sanderson. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Laser bracket. At number eight, The Woman Who Thought She Was a Planet and Other Stories by Vandana Singh. At number seven, Nebula-nominated Mer Lafferty with six wakes. At number six, The Sirens of Titan by Kurt Vonnegut, a scrappy underdog. <laughs> At number five, House of Sons by upcoming Alistair Reynolds. <laughs> uh, at number four, Nebula-nominated Autonomous by Annalie Newitz. At number three, Not Handmaid's Tale, but Oryx and Crake by Margaret Atwood. At number two, consider Felbus, Phlebus, <laughs> by Ian M. Banks. And at number one seed in the laser bracket, we are Legion, we are Bob, by Dennis E. Taylor. So I definitely have some that I am excited about, like super excited about. So I, I don't want to lead any opinions or, or, you know, encourage anyone to vote a certain way. But there's some, I, I, I feel like I'm going to be happy no matter what happens. Yeah, uh, this is a good this is a good field, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm very excited. And I hope having a sword bracket and a laser bracket kind of helps people because I know sometimes folks are really torn on who to vote for um, because they have multiple favorites and they go up against each other. Mm-hmm. So this will at least keep the sci-fi stuff from going up against the sword stuff. Yes, and then we will have the the final the final showdown. Yeah. Between uh, so good and ba- evil, I mean, or sword essentially, and what's going to happen? We we just finalized this right before the show. Mm-hmm. So as soon as the show's done, and I've got the show notes done, I will go and post the brackets and open the polls. Woohoo! So by the time you hear this, it's happening. Fantastic! So thank you guys all so much, all of you out there, for nominating books and contributing in the thread. And I think it's going to be a fun month. Speaking of fun, uh, it is now time to kick off a, well, no, sorry. Mm-mm. We're going to announce the book pick for March. Talk yeah. about it a little bit. That and way we can keep the spoilers at the end. Spoilers. Well, there won't be any spoiler. Yeah, the spoilers well, for the current. time spoilers yes. will be at the end. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any spoilers for the, the March book pick because I haven't read it yet. Um, so yeah. So Tom, tell us about your your pick for March. Yeah. So this is a new book. Uh, just came out in October. Actually, An Unkindness of Ghosts is by Rivers Solomon. Uh, it's a socially oriented but scientifically rich generation ship story. And, you know, I'm a fan of a generation ship story because I wrote one. And boy, does Rivers Solomon make me feel inadequate with how awesome her oh, generation no. story is. It's really rich. It's really deep. And we have read a fantasy book about a slave plantation. Mm-hmm. Imagine taking that... And putting it on a generation ship. Mm. And Have you read this just, already? I've read, I've started it. Okay. Uh, that is one aspect 
of this story, which is so rich and so deep. Uh, River Sullivan is really interesting, too. She's born in the U.S., grew up in California, but traveled around Indiana, Texas, and New York while she was growing up. Has a B.A. in Comparative Studies in Race and Ethnicity from Stanford uh, and an M.F.A. in Fiction Writing from the Michener Center for Writers at the University of Texas at Austin. And currently they're based in Cambridge, U.K. Uh, so this is their debut novel. Awesome. Very cool. I am excited about that. All right. Well, yeah, that'll be that starts. Gosh, tomorrow, short month. February is a short month. So March 1st is uh, Thursday tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to the show when it comes out before tomorrow. it comes out <laughs> <laughs> on Thursday, you mean today, Veronica, That's of course. A, yes, today. That's how time works. Uh, so, yeah, pick that up wherever your books are found. All right. Let's wrap up a wrinkle in time. Um, we, we've talked a lot about it in previous episodes, uh, so I, I don't know if there's going to be a ton to add, um, but I, 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 I know we don't talk about ratings very often, but I, I, I did want to point out that I gave it one of my lower ratings that I've given a book in a while. I gave it a three star on Goodreads. Ooh. I know. And I, I feel bad, but I also feel like... Well, I mean, it's honest. If you felt it was only three stars, it's only three stars. I came at it from a place of not having read it as a child. And so maybe without that previous like mm-hmm. nostalgia yeah, feeling, yep. um, it just... It, I, I really enjoyed the first half and the second half fell very flat for me. Um, and so, yeah, we can talk about that a bit. We, we discussed it pretty in depth also at our in-person meetup this week uh, in mm-hmm. San Francisco here. Um, so thanks to everybody who came out to that. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I loved the character of Meg. I felt like pretty attached to her right away. Cause she felt like someone I could relate to at that age. So she's, she's what she's 13 in the book, right? I believe she's 13 around that age. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was, you know, I think as a, as a, as a female who was kind of nerdy in high school and and had some troubles there, like it it felt very realistic and, you know, especially having been written when it was like, it still felt very current and modern to me in a lot of ways as well. Um, And then I was just so, so immediately intrigued by uh, Charles Wallace and the relationship there and his abilities and the mystery of the house and the witches um, and, you know, I, I thought that was really cool. And then the the traveling through the wrinkle. And then it kind of like I started getting a little lost. And and maybe it was I was relating too much to how Meg was feeling very lost and out of place. You know, maybe that was actually good writing. I'm not yeah, sure. Right. Um, but everything seemed to happen very quickly at the end. And it, it and I also I have to say, like, yes, it is a children's book, but the the ending of like, oh, all you needed was love this whole time. You just needed love, love. And I was like, oh, blah. but also <laughs> I was like, how did you guys not see this? Why? Why couldn't the witches just tell them it was love? Why? Because it wouldn't be real love then. But I. But she loves her brother. I mean, it's not like she had to like learn how to love her brother. No, but she had to express it. She had to she had to really feel it and and admit it and understand it. And and I think some of us in this very podcast could benefit from that. Are you talking about me? Because I got no, I didn't say sassy about, about Terry Goodkind. That's what you're bringing that back, eh? <laughs> I actually right. wasn't. No, I was just talking about your disappointment with the book. Oh, I see. <laughs> and how okay. you hate love. I'm projecting now. Great. Um, eh. 
But it was like, well, I guess, okay, fine. Like, why couldn't they help her? I don't really understand that. Why didn't they get his wife to come, who is a scientist and definitely loves him and misses him? Well, yeah, okay. That so so that's a fair point. Which is like the reason is well, you don't want to endanger children. Well, exactly. The reason is you don't want to <laughs> endanger her, but it's like, but you'll endanger the children. So I think the implication is like a child's love is pure. Well, maybe. that's kind of shitty. I, I yeah I know because the implications are oh so she doesn't really love her husband like it gets pretty thorny there yeah so that was confusing um yeah I don't know and and I I I didn't have as much trouble with the the religious undertones as I think a lot of people perhaps did um mm-hmm. it just I I, 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 I knew it going all. in so it didn't really bother me and you know I thought I thought it was fine um so I don't know it just. Yeah, the, I have a problem with the religious part. Just the love stuff. Just the love Ugh, crap. Love. It just felt a little forced there at the end. No, I I know what you're saying. Like it's not it's not I I Belabored. would say it's not that love was the answer. That's great. I like that a lot. Uh there there are it does it does feel rushed at the mm-hmm. end where it's like, well, there could be really good reasons why they couldn't the witches couldn't help them. Uh, right. Like maybe only they could save their father. Right. That, that could just be a rule of the way the universe works in this world. Uh, there, there, there could be all kinds of reasons why, you know, it wasn't as easy as just walking in and saying, I love you, dad. And then they could walk right out. You know, maybe, maybe they had to learn the lesson for themselves. You get half of those explanations, but not all of them. And, and your point about why, why the wife couldn't have done all this, if that's what it was, does need does I would like a little more on that point myself. That's a really mm-hmm. good one. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, yeah, and, and Calvin I liked too as a character, but I I don't really like. I I kind of understand why he was there. He was there to like be strong for Charles. Well, I can't remember what his gift was, what his thing was. He's able to like. He has. He's kind of the midway between Meg and Charles. Yeah, right? he can communicate. Charles is all brain. Meg's all heart, and Calvin's kind of the balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got kind of you know the Meg some kind of ability similar to what Charles Wallace has, or like they they resonate on a similar frequency, right, or right. there's something going on there. Yeah, he's kind of the halfway point that binds the three together. He yeah. works for me actually. I, I like thought that. he was sweet. Yeah. I liked, I liked Calvin as a character. Um, uh, trike over on Goodreads says just got wrinkled today and I finished the first chapter all by myself. And my initial impressions are one, it's very well written Two, Charles Wallace, the hyperverbal little brother sounds like Stewie Griffin in my head. I think that might be coloring my mental image of him. And then Mark said after his meeting with it, Charles Wallace reminds me of those cute kids from the movie based on The Midwich Cuckoos by John Wyndham, which is basically like children of the corn. Yeah, right. right. Type kids. Uh, yeah, totally. And uh, yeah. So I, I thought I, I thought he was I thought he was a cool character and I would have liked to learn more about his abilities. And I'm sure we learn more about those maybe in later books, In later books. Yeah, possibly. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um but it felt it felt for it pretty wrapped up at the end. Like it didn't actually feel like there were a lot of loose ends other than what exactly was Charles Wallace's deal? What happened to the other poor scientist who got 
who went through yeah. the Tesseract and never showed up again. Someone, someone in book club said like, oh, maybe he's actually what it turned into or like he turned into it somehow. Oh, that's an interesting thought. I always thought it was just like throwaway character. Like, oh, he died. <laughs> yeah, he's probably not that at all. Yeah, I think yeah. making too much out of that. But he didn't make it. Um, uh, Jenny uh, wrote mm-hmm. in my review this time around, I said that if a book can be a warm blanket, this is mine. The original kitchen scene, the comfort of favorite sandwiches and a psychic hot chocolate in a warm place away from the storm. Aunt Beast, who is surely the most comforting of all creatures. The magical boy who understands awkward Meg, the first person ever to do so who isn't related and how their hands just slip together. Man, there is a reason I loved this book as a kid. Now I feel like such a horrible person. Great. (laughs) Now I feel like a horrible person. Basically, Jenny says this. Chirp Kristen says this. Uh, Caitlin says this. Uh, Basically, everybody says this. So cool. Um, Yeah. What does it say that my warm blanket book is like Dune or what does it say about me that my warm blanket book is Watership Down? Man in the High Castle. Watership Down. Bunnies like murdering each other. Yeah. Uh, Well, that explains why you didn't like the love ending. (laughs) Love or also murder. Murder. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Tazzy, Tazzy Dave says, did Madeline Langle get bored with this book? With a few pages to go, I thought there was no way we'd get any resolution and that it was going to end on a cliffhanger and continue on in book two. But no, we go from everyone in danger to Meg saving them all with love. Then everyone rushes in from stage right. We're home. He's just saying what you said. Everyone lives happily ever after. WTF? Why the F, the three witches, angels, whatever? Uh, this is exactly, you know, I didn't even read this yeah, whole no, comment like yet, but he's, he's basically in my mind. You and Tassie are the simpatico. Why the F, the three witches, angels, whatever's? Couldn't just tell Meg what she had to do without making everybody, making everything secret and enigmatic. I don't know. I was thinking I'd give this two and a half stars, maybe round up to three because it wasn't for me, but I could see wow, the he's appeal. even harsher than you. But that sloppy, lazy, rushed, nothing of an ending leaves me rounding it down to a two. Even 10-year-old me would have been disappointed with okay, that ending. Okay, five, we get it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, so Melanie Rob says- Rob the same issue, though, just Rob, to be fair. Rob did. Uh, Melanie yeah, says- alone. My theory is that it was intended to be standalone without consideration for a sequel. Thus, too many themes got thrown into just one book because it might just be the only book I write, she thought, perhaps. Also, a publisher may have said back then that the kids' books can only be this long. Well, that's why she got rejected with this book so many times is they said kids won't read this book. Mm -hmm. Like She got rejected multiple times just on the idea that it was was above kids' head. Oh. Uh, So that there may be something to the fact that the editor simplified some of the ending. There's so much scholarship on this book that I know somebody out there is is yelling like, "This is the answer to your question," and it's well documented. Seriously, so please, if, so, if someone out there, us. yeah, tell us, tell us why I'm wrong, please do. I would love to well, read not why that you're email. Wrong, but or what, tell me why, your opinion. Why this, why this ending ended up so rushed? Why if you there think was ever I'm an wrong? Explanation. And Tazzy Dave also says, "Yes, the first half was quite entertaining. I enjoyed the Meg and Charles Wallace interactions. Basically, went downhill for me once everything. Okay, fine. Now we ring. get it." <laughs> <laughs> so we have two two very different threads here i see you didn't find a thread that mimic mirrors my opinion only i'm not one that here to yours. do your work for you tom you can find you're, your own you're here to do your part of the threads. rundown i did do my part, part of the, the rundown i did my part of the rundown yes you did only for you jenny says 
solves everything. Who can forget the Care Bear <laughs> stare? It does. It it's does the solve Care everything. Bear's I'm countdown. With Five, four, three, two, one. That's I don't a Care Bear song. It's Care Bear's yeah. theme song. Somewhere. My brother watched Care Bears. I was, cool. I was, I was a, I was at working. Because <laughs> you were I was, old. I was out at the factory. You're already old. Doing rivets. Old yeah. man, child Tom Merritt. <laughs> <laughs> All exactly. right. Well, do you have anything else you want to add about this book that you love? I, you know, I, I still love it. Uh, and a lot of it may be due to nostalgia and, and reading it as, as a young kid and being exposed to the film strip. Uh, those are all things I've covered before. Ooh. I don't really have anything to add. I do want to say I'm definitely still going to go see the movie. Oh, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the movie can only improve on the issues that I have with it. I really feel like it will do that. Well, with it, high hopes. It's cer- certainly the issues you have are not things that couldn't be fixed in a movie. Yeah. All right. For you. By the way, did you see Annihilation? It's too scary for me. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Everybody who knows me who saw it says it's too scary for me. It's not. It's yeah, not. Okay, right. I think it is. They changed a lot of things, though. Like giving people names. Like names, for example. I know that was kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Also, Isn't some the ending who, different? Yeah, some people who die are not dead okay. at the end of the movie. Okay. Um, I don't want to spoil no it. No spoilers. Yeah. Well, that's, I, that's interesting. I'm, I'm they intrigued. they did show the deer with like flowers growing on their antlers. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's I don't real. know. I, I mean, I, I just, it cracks me up still thinking about how when we were reading Annihilation, we're like, this can never be a movie. Like, this yeah. is too weird. It's too... Yeah too out there to well they had to change it a lot it's still got it's still got the world though a lot of the stuff i didn't think they could do they did mm-hmm. they changed the story in ways because it was so in her head obviously yeah uh they changed the story to, to work on the screen but that makes sense yeah totally well i will I, i'm excited to to hear more read more reviews about it the reviews were very like this is an intense movie this is yeah. like a weird intense movie and it was a weird, intense short book, and it's now a weird, intense movie. So, and minor even scarier. Spoiler, minor spoiler. If you don't want to be spoiled at all, get your car Goodbye, radio button we love you. or Goodbye. something. Yeah. Uh, minor spoiler is the writing in the tunnel isn't there, oh. and I, that still bugs me. Oh, not, that was not, like a major part. Yeah, and it doesn't bother you if you haven't read the book. Like it's consistent. The movie mm-hmm. is consistent without it, and I get it. But I, I, I mean, and they, he said, I was, I'm not worried about making another one of these. Like, we aren't going to follow the story any farther. But I'm like, oh, but I wanted them to. Like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, still, yeah. I, I saw Black Panther, though. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that very different than the comic book? I haven't, I haven't read the comic. <laughs> I don't read comic no. books. I'm sorry. I'm sure. I don't know. There was some cool stuff. I mean, some cool, like, like, I know there's a lot of cool, like, uh, like I, I learned a lot reading about the movie, about how it fits into the Marvel universe mm-hmm. with Captain America and that kind it's of stuff. It's just a so damn cool. fine superhero movie. That's all I got to say. It was great. It was really, it was really, I saw great. it twice. Awesome. All right. Well, folks, that is the end of Sword and Laser for this week. Our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you so much to all our folks who back our show. If you want to help us out and support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. And thanks especially to new patrons, Anna Parika, Travis Falstad, and Jim Bell. Welcome. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. 
And if you are on the the list of of uh, special gift receivers on our on our Patreon level of ten dollars or more, mm-hmm. um, we have sent out your presents for the time period. So it's look, random mailings. It's random, random mailings. mailings. You won't necessarily get one every month, but check your mailbox if you're at that level and you gave us an address. In you my might mental have time period. Not any kind of written time period. It's really hard to get uh, Veronica on board with the random na- aspect of this. I am a product manager. Randomness isn't in my nature. <laughs> I need to know the facts. I've scheduled randomness out of I've this random. Scheduled. I have used an algorithm to plan the most random dates by which to send out your gifts. It's a stochastic algorithm, so not actually random. You're a stochastic algorithm. All right. <laughs> you can get in touch with us at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Tell me why I'm wrong about A Wrinkle in Time. I want to hear your opinion. Tell me tell me why I don't know how to love because my heart is cold and dead. Uh, you can visit our website at swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. 